You can turn your Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. The theme which you saw on the pictures there was uh, put on the front of the pulpit uh, there at the school. It was limitless. Uh, the focus and the emphasis throughout the week was really the idea that what we can accomplish through God is limitless. Uh, there's many things that maybe we find ourselves in a situation or a place and we say, well, this is something I can't do, but ultimately I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that is we can do things that God would want us to do that are desirous of uh, His plan for us. We can accomplish anything that's inside of God's will for us or that God would want us to accomplish. Uh, we can do that with confidence knowing that He would enable us to do so. And that really was the heartbeat of the conference. And, and as these young people look towards the future, uh, you've got all the different ages. You've got the young people that are just coming into the youth group. And for them, the future seems so far away. It seems like it's something that will never be here. And, and they're just so caught up in the moment and the day to day. Uh, but then you have those like Eli and Melissa who are right on the brink of making some decisions that are uh, taking the next step. And all of a sudden they're, they're faced with life and wait, I got to decide what I'm going to do. And, and life's here. Like, how did that happen so fast? I'm already making decisions and deciding, you know, the direction where I believe the Lord wants me to go. And let me just encourage you, young people, it's easy to stand up here and sing a song. It's easy to participate in the youth services. If you just look back over the years and think about the youth services that we've had and those young people that you've seen in the past that stood up here. And I just wonder where, where are they today? Not necessarily just that they uh, might not be here in this church because that's not what determines whether they're serving God or not. That's the aspect I uh, would implore you to consider is are they doing something for God with their life? Are they fulfilling and accomplishing what they stood up here over and over again throughout the years as they came back from camp and they came back from uh, youth night or they came back from empowered youth and they said, boy, God really stirred my heart and I made some decisions to do this or to do this or to do this. You understand it's a relationship that you have to have. You have to come to the place where you decide for yourself you're going to serve God and do what's right. That's right. You can't blame it on mom and dad. You're not going to stand before God one day and say, well, my dad wasn't as faithful as he should have been, and so that's why I'm a reprobate. No, that's not going to work before God. It's not going to be, not going to stand, not going to hold any water. You've got to come to the place where you decide you're going to do right, and it doesn't matter. Now, yes, I hope you have a dad that's faithful and a mom that loves you and a church that points you in the right direction, but you understand that your mom and dad are just a sinner saved by grace? That your mom and dad are going to make mistakes, that they're not going to do anything right, and that you as their child are going to be able to look into their life and you're going to be able to pick things out that they don't do right, and boy, they're not consistent here, or they're not faithful with that, or boy, I saw them do this and they shouldn't do that. You can pick them apart if you want to, but I want you to know that they're just a sinner saved by grace. That they're, they're doing the best they can. They're, they're trying to love God and serve God. And they're trying to raise you in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and point you towards Christ. And you can try and pick them apart if you want to, but it's not going to hold water when you stand before God. You have to decide for yourself what you're going to do. And by the way, it begins at a very young age. It doesn't begin. You're not going to decide all of a sudden at 18 years old that, oh, now I want to do what's right you got to start at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and through those years, determine in your heart that you're going to make right decisions and you're going to follow God. 
regardless of mom and dad. One day mom and dad might be out of church, Eli. I hope it never happens. I count them as dear friends, and, and many times when I felt like quitting, I was thankful for your dad's testimony and his love for me and support for this ministry. And his faithfulness kept me going. The day may come when they're not in church. What are you boys going to do? You got to have a walk with God yourself. The day may come where your dad and mom want to quit, but they won't because they got two boys that love God, two boys that are being faithful. Two boys that are sticking by the stuff and they say, we can't quit because of what it's going to do to Eli and Lucas. But you got to make that decision and stand for God yourself and decide to do what's right because it's right to do. My heart is burdened for the young people of our churches because so many of them are going by the wayside. So many of them are failing to remain faithful to the things that they've been taught and what they've learned. It's easy to stand up here and to put a smile on your face and to sing about the wonders of God when dad and mom drug you to church. But you've got to decide for yourself that you're going to go to church when mom and dad give you the option. When it's no longer their choice. When you're an adult. When you young people reach the age that Jake and Amanda are. There's nobody making them be in church. Nobody's standing over their shoulder or calling them and checking on them and seeing what they're doing. They just decided we want to have a family that honors God and pleases God. And our relationship's important and we've got jobs and we've got responsibilities and we've got things we're going to do. But we're going to make sure God is a central part of our life. And it doesn't just happen one day. It happens because you make that decision continually. I want you to think this evening, we're going to get into the Word of God, and that was not even the introduction. That was completely 100% free. I don't know where that came from. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the idea I was talking about was limitless, that uh, we're going to discuss that tonight. And really, I'm going to approach this from a, a different aspect and maybe a little less popular aspect, but... Uh, the idea this evening I want you to understand is, is functioning or serving or living inside of the limits that we all have and uh, being aware of those limits. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. The Apostle Paul here says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that, he might, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. He's recognizing his limitations. He says, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. I become a fool in glorying, yea, have compelled, have, ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you for nothing. Am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing? 
The theme this last week was limitless as we considered what we can accomplish through the power of God. But tonight I want to talk to you again, as I said, about the idea of functioning or living inside of our limitations. Sometimes we feel like there's an expectation that we've got to be Superman. At EY this last week, one of the skits they did is there was a boy who was kind of a little bit nerdy, you know, a boy who had some limitations, you might say. And he was struggling. This is all part of his skit, his, his persona of the skit, right? I don't know the boy for real, so I don't know if it was for real, but this was his persona as a skit anyway. And uh, he was really struggling with how to accomplish things and just dealing with his anxieties and, and whatever. And, and he went to see a counselor, and the counselor said, oh, I'm going to put you to sleep. And he uh, put a watch before him, and he says, you know, and he put this watch, and he's putting him to sleep, and he goes to sleep, and he says, I want you, you know, to envision what you can be. And so he envisioned all these characters, and these characters came out onto the stage in different ways, and uh, one of them was Superman, and so they strapped a guy to a cable that went up through the ceiling, and the, the ceiling's there, you know, whatever, 35 feet high, and uh, so they were lifting this cable, and this Superman was coming out, you know, and it's this, this guy, he was going to be a sur- Superman. Well, you know, sometimes you, you might feel like the expectation is, is that you have to be this super Christian, that you have to live up to, or, or accomplish, or, or be something that has been laid out for you by others or uh, just this ambition or this goal or, or boy, I, I, I'm never going to be able to be as strong as they want me to be. Or I'm never going to be able to accomplish all that they want me to accomplish. And therefore, you, because you've set, you've established, you've put this maybe an unattainable goal upon yourself, you live defeated and discouraged. Because in your mind, you're supposed to be up here. But we need to look at and learn how to live inside the limitations that we have. We can only accomplish so much for God. Our abilities will only carry us so far. We need to learn to not set maybe goals for ourselves or put things upon ourselves that are unattainable, but to look inside of what God would want for us to be. Because God is not going to set a goal for you that's unattainable. God is not going to establish a standard for you that you cannot reach. We need to learn how to live inside of our limitations. The fact of the matter is, is we are human. We are finite. We each have different sets of abilities and skills. We all have limitations. No matter how much you may want to fly off the roof, it doesn't work. There are some limitations that you have. We are learning more and more about the limitations. Just this morning, uh, somebody said to me as I came in for Sunday school that, Pastor, I remember somebody talking to me about how when we get older, we can't do the things we used to do. Um, And that same person fell off of a roof. (laughs) She said, I'm not saying anything. I'm just bringing it up. (laughs) I I, I said, well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I hear it's coming back around, right? It's it's coming back around to me. I see that. The fact of the matter is, as we get older, we got some limitations, don't we? 
we, the, the old body is willing, but physically it's not able. You just can't do what you used to do. And so we need to learn to live inside of those limitations. And you, sometimes, you know, I laid down for a nap, but it wasn't until 3.58. That's when I laid down for a nap, 3.58. Because I was just, I was whooped. And I said, man, I need to, so I set my alarm for 4.20. So I could get up, get dressed, and come over here. But in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sleep through this alarm. I'm going to sleep right through church. <laughs> and, you know, I'm the pastor, and I'm not going to be in bed. That's going to be, this is going to be really bad. It's not going to be good. But I set the alarm. I usually can wake up through the alarm. I don't sleep through it. But if something happens and it doesn't go off or you lose power, who knows what could happen. I'm like, this is not good for me to be laying down right now. But I really needed just 15 minute, you know, power nap or something uh, to try and get through tonight. But, you know, sometimes you, you feel like you could just do so much, but the body can't. I remember when I was a young man serving on staff uh, at Heritage underneath Pastor Hanks. And there was times where maybe I was supposed to be somewhere. And, you know, those of you that don't know Fairhaven, Fairhaven has the reputation of being the West Point of, of uh, you know, Bible colleges. Uh, they are very hard-nosed. There is no grace there. There is no mercy. There is only expectations. And if you don't fulfill them, you're dead. <laughs> okay. That's basically Fairhaven, okay? And uh, so I came out of that atmosphere for Bible college, and I went to work uh, with Pastor Hanks. And I mean, I was, Mary and I both were serving, we're both teaching classes in school all day. I was the head of maintenance and building, developing the property that we bought, building buildings. And we both, uh, we taught Sunday school, we taught junior church, and I was the Sunday school administrator, had Sunday school meeting every Sunday night after church. Uh, you know, just, we were just running ragged. And it was great. It was awesome. It was fun. But I was tired. And, and I remember more than once, somewhere I was supposed to be, a meeting I was supposed to be in, something like that, and I slept through it. And I mean, at Fairhaven, you would have been, you are such a reprobate. You're never going to accomplish anything for God. You are a lazy bum. You can't get out of bed. You're, you're worthless. So I came in expecting that from my pastor. And my pastor looked at me and he said, well, the Lord knew you needed sleep. The Lord knew you were wore out. There'll be other meetings. Don't worry about it. The Lord knew you needed sleep. What your body needed was rest. That's why your alarm didn't go off. And you see, sometimes we establish expectations for ourselves and we're putting ourselves through a bunch of anxiety and wringing our hands, trying to live up to some goal when really we just need to rest in God and let the Lord uh, accomplish through us what he wants to accomplish through us. And, and don't sweat the rest of it. It's going to be okay. We're going we're, we're to be all right. It's going to happen. So let me just give you a couple of points tonight. First of all, I want you to know that we all need to live inside the limit of our own strengths. The limit of our own strengths. And everybody's strength and ability is different. He says in verse number 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
when I'm weak, then I am strong. It's just understanding and acknowledging where we are physically and what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are. We have a limit to the amount of strength that we have, and everybody's strength here is different. You know, Miss Nelma, she could walk around her whole life feeling all guilty because she skips church all the time. And you could be looking at her and saying, man, Miss Nelma, you skipping church, how can you think you're right with God? You guys, man, I can't believe you're saying that, Pastor. (laughs) No, she has physical limitations because of her heart and what she's she's dealing with. And she could be in her mind be beating herself up and feeling bad and living guilty because I couldn't get to church tonight. But you need to understand the limitations that she has. And she doesn't need to be living with a guilty conscience because there's limitations there physically. She's not able to do it. And the people in God's church don't need to be trying to make her feel guilty. It's not just her. There's others here that we could talk and say, look at the limitations that you might have. And everybody's limitations are different. And you stop comparing yourselves among yourselves and trying to hold people up to a standard. Maybe they can't do what you can do. But that's okay because they're not supposed to do what you can do. They're supposed to do what they can do for God. We all have uh, our strengths and our abilities. And listen, if we can do it, then bless God, we ought to do it. Amen? But if we're limited, if our strength has gone as far as it can go, then that's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up. Don't let Satan beat you up and don't let your own conscience beat you up. You've got a limit to the strength. If we're ever going to know God's strength, we've got to be very familiar with our own weakness. Weakness is present in all men. Take your favorite leader. And I want you to know there's weakness present in him. There's weakness present in him. I began and talked briefly to the young people about their their moms and dads, understanding that there's weakness present in your mom and dad. They're They're not perfect. I know as a young man, I, I wanted to look at my dad and, and I, I wanted to say, boy, he stands up and he preaches these truths, but I've seen something that's not right. And by and large, my dad was very consistent with anything that he preached. But do you know that the truths of the Word of God are right, whether the man preaching them is living them or not? Now, the man preaching them ought to be living them. We talked about that in Sunday school today. You need a clean vessel. You need a clean conduit to carry a worthy message. We understand that. And it's important that we are clean vessels, but we are also just sinners saved by grace. You take a a pastor or a preacher and want you to know that there's weakness in him. It's present in all of us. And if we're going to ever know God's strength, we've got to know our weakness. The disciples from whom we learn so much went with Jesus to the garden and he says, watch and pray with me. And them rascals fell asleep. I mean, they're with Jesus in the flesh. And he says, can't you pray with me one hour? I remember we had all-night prayer meetings when I was a teenager, which just means we broke our sleep up into 30-minute segments. 
I mean, you know, I mean, just trying to pray through the night. You didn't pray yourself all through the night. You prayed for a portion of the night, and somebody else prayed, and you kept doing that to pray through the night. But uh, I remember more than once, it was my turn to pray, and, you know, we're going around the room, and, and uh, like you're praying next, you know, and, and by the time it got to me, I was asleep. And people are like, you know, kicking you, like, <laughs> you're turned awake, you guys supposed to be praying. Uh, you wake up and like, oh, you, you fill your slot and try, try and pray. Uh, there's weakness in us all. You know, the last thing that I would ever want to do as your pastor is let you down. It really weighs heavy on my heart as I desire to to never let you down. But you know, there's weakness in me because we're all just sinners saved by grace. We've got to be made strong through the power of God and his might. The blessing is, is that when we know our weakness, we can experience God's strength. The last few weeks, I've had to rely on others for almost everything. It started with literally my wife helping me get dressed, unable to put my own socks on and get ready in the morning. Slowly, I've gotten back a little bit of my independence. <laughs> Mary's like, I- I'll do that for you graciously. Like, I'll do I said, yeah, but I want to do it. <laughs> Uh, I, I just, you know, you, you desire to do some things on your own. When we know our own weakness, we can look to God for help. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 12, he says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. He says, we have no might against this company. There's nothing we can do. He says, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He says, God, there's nothing I can do for this, but we're looking to you. There's times in your life where you'll be at the end of your strength. And that's where God's strength comes in. Over and over again, the last week, the young people were reminded that we can do nothing in and of ourselves but we can do all that God wants us to do through his strength. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, but without me, ye can do nothing. The problem is, is too often we feel that we can do it. Too often we feel in life in, in general, that we can handle it, that we can do this, that we've got this. And we don't begin to look to God until things get real bad. A lot of times we're going through life and we're like, oh yeah, I got this, I got this, I can handle that. And then and everything's fine. But then when things get really bad, then we say, oh my goodness, I, 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 I've got this great problem or I've got this big mess. Now I need God. And what we need to do is be looking to him much sooner. Much, much sooner. If we would look to him, he would deliver us. 
Psalms 116, verse, 16, verse 6 says, The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. He helped me. God wants to help you. So we need to learn to live inside the limit of our strength. We need to learn to live inside the limit of our skill. We all have different skills. We all have different abilities. We see in our text here, the Apostle Paul recognizing how Satan brought this into his life. He wanted it to be removed. He describes and talks about how he had the ability to do certain things, but he was really shouldn't be recognized for those, shouldn't be glorified for those because they were given to him by God. I think about Moses who recognized the limit of his skill. You remember Moses when he was standing before God and God was calling him to bring out the people and he says, I can't do this. He said, this is beyond me, Lord. These people, uh, I can't I can't talk. And God says, well, I'll be with your voice. I'll give you a voice. And then when he's leading the people, he gets back alone with God and he says, God, there's, there's too many. This, this burden of these people is too great. And God again comes on the scene and helps him. Romans chapter 12, we're not going to take time to turn there, but in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, there's the listing of the gifts that are given to the church and to us through the Holy Spirit. We believe God gives everyone at least one gift, one skill, one ability. You remember when David was just a boy, but he was anointed to be king? You remember how even his father didn't recognize a king in him? Even his father, you know, he brought all of his older boys, the strapping boys, the strong ones. He brought all those before the prophet. and They said, surely it's one of these guys. And God gives some insight to the prophet. He says, do you have another son? He says, oh, David, but, it, you know, it can't be David. I mean, he's out caring for the sheep. He's just a little guy. He says, well, let bring him. But God saw there be some limitation you might have in your life. You might not feel big enough or strong enough or you might feel like, well, I'm just a boy. You know, at 16 years old, Spurgeon was preaching to audience in excess of 5,000 people already. I think sometimes we do our kids an injustice by treating them like kids. Studying them, letting them grow up and be what God wants them to be, we continue to keep them in that place. God can do great great things through a young man or a young lady. The gifts that are given to us, we know are from God. The Holy Spirit chooses who gets what gifts and what skills and what abilities. They are dispensed at his good pleasure, the Bible says. And beloved, we are held accountable for the gifts we have. But you are not held accountable for the gifts you don't have. 
you have no responsibility to perform in an area in which God has not gifted you. You don't have to do that. You say, well, I, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument or I can't organize things like that or this is not, you know, usually when we come home from these conferences, as far as me as a pastor, I'm discouraged because I hear these guys preach and I think in myself, I'm like, I've never preached a good message in my life. <laughs> I hear these guys preach and I'm just like, man, why am I even doing this? It's, it's like, I, I just, I, I cannot do what these guys can do. But you know what? I don't have to be them. I don't have to accomplish what maybe they can accomplish. I see some of these pastors out there and they're, they're writing a blog every week and they're publishing books and, and they're, you know, making, uh, you know, producing all this stuff online and they're preaching three times a week and they're in their pulpits. And, and, and I'm like, man, I'm doing good just to get three messages done in a week and, and the hours it takes to do that. And I'm not even very good at that. And I just feel like, well, I can't do that. But I don't have to do what they can do. I'm not held accountable for the gifts that they have. But I am held accountable for the gifts that I have. And I need to do what God's called me to do to the best of my ability. And that's what I'm held accountable for. As are each of you. You don't have to feel like, oh, I need to do that. Because that is something that's good or attainable or whatever. If it's not your skill, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. You do what God wants you to do, what God has gifted you to do. God will use you, who you are. He created you. He gave you your personality. He gave you your strengths. He knows what weaknesses you struggle with. I think many times we just beat ourselves up too much trying to be a superman when that's not what God's asking of us. We can live inside the limit of our own skill, whatever that might be. You might have natural ability. Use that ability for God. This last one, as far as my outline, might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's applicable we have a limit of our survival. What I mean by this, beloved, is we need to remember that the end is coming. We only have one life to live for Christ. We only have one chance. The day is going to come now, I'm glad it didn't come, but a little over four and a half weeks ago, I could have gone home to be with the Lord. Right. It could have been the end for me. And I ponder and think about that and say, what have I accomplished? What have I done for God? You see, each and every one of us have one life, and we don't know when that ending day has come, when our survival is going to be through. We're not going to have any more time to serve him. There is a limitation put on us that we only have so many days. The Bible tells us in Job 14, 5, seeing his days are determined 
The number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. The bounds of our habitation, the days that we're here, you're not going to be able to pass that. You're not going to be able to say, oh, I, I needed a little more time to accomplish what God wanted me to accomplish. I was distracted. I was busy doing other things and, and, and pursuing a career or uh, wanting to get through this first or uh, wanting to get to the place where I could buy my own house first or, or whatever it might be that consumes our time. And we think, boy, I'll get to doing something for God later and day by day and month by month. And before you know it, 10, 15, 20 years have passed and we still haven't accomplished what God would have us accomplish in our lives. Only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. We've only got so many days that we can serve God. We're going to allow ourselves to be consumed and eaten up with the cares of this world, with things that aren't going to last, with things that don't matter, where they're not going to be worth a hill of beans in four or five years. And certainly not once we're dead and gone. How much more valuable is it that we invest our lives if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? The psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Boy, we need to number the days we have. We don't know how many there are, so we need to use each one of them to the fullest of our ability to accomplish something meaningful for God. There's a lot of things on people's buckets list. I looked up some of the most prevalent bucket list items. Some of these are pretty high aspirations, things people want to accomplish before they die. These are not necessarily in order of like percentage, whatever, but just some stuff that people want to accomplish before they die. Go bungee jumping. See the northern lights. Visit a foreign country. Make a cake from scratch. I don't know how that even fits in the list. Like, <laughs> you could do that today if you really wanted to. I mean, it's just not... Not really that hard. I mean, next to that is learn a foreign language. How do those even list in the same thing? They make a cake from scratch, learn a foreign language. I don't know. Go skydiving. Write a book. Swim in all four oceans. Ride in a hot air balloon. Run a marathon. Own a sports car. Sleep in an ice hotel. I'm not sure why that's appealing at all. <laughs> In the wintertime, our bedroom could just about be that, huh? <laughs> uh, retire early. Fall in love. Some of these young people are like, that's me. <laughs> that's what I want to do before the Lord comes back. Uh, overcome a fear. Watch a sunrise. <laughs> Beloved. <laughs> If you've gotten to your teen years and haven't watched the sunrise, there's something wrong. Yeah. Learn an instrument. Ride a motorcycle. I read through several hundred of things that have been found and are most common on people's bucket list today. 
And do you know out of all of them, not one of them had any reference towards God or towards eternity? Things that people wanted to accomplish before they died. And there's some of those things that I listed that some of you thought, yeah, that would be nice to get done before I die. I would like to get that done, but I wonder how many of us have on our bucket list things that are meaningful for eternity. How about read through the Bible from start to finish, the entirety of the Bible, at least one time before I die. How about be a witness and be used of God to lead somebody else who was on their way to hell to now they're on their way to heaven with, through the power of God. But before I die, would you let me lead one soul to Jesus? What about having an ambition or a goal to accomplish something that's meaningful for eternity instead of bake a cake from scratch? Instead of riding a hot air balloon, and there's nothing wrong with anything on this list. It's not sinful. It's just temporal, and none of it's going to matter worth a hill of beans after you're dead and gone. But only what we do for Christ is what's going to matter. And oh, if we would set our goals and our ambitions and our desires and our focus towards those things that really matter. Towards those things that will be meaningful for eternity. How about memorize a hundred verses out of the scriptures? How about witness to my lost family? You fill in the blank, but I wonder what it is that we need to set as a goal for ourselves before we meet the limitation of our days on earth because we don't know where they're going to end. You see, beloved, we all live inside limitations. We have limitations. We have things we can and can't do. The desire tonight is really just to maybe encourage you and tell you to stop beating yourself up because you didn't read 32 chapters of the Word of God yesterday morning. If you're like me and you read slow, you can't do that. That's okay. I remember hearing uh, out of Mallison, Alabama. Allison, I remember hearing Pastor Allison talk about his family devotions. And here I was thinking I was pretty spiritual because we have family devotions. And he's like, we read this many chapters in the Word of God. Each of the children quote one verse they memorized that day. Each of them do, I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just a terrible father. My, my kids are, have no, I mean, I have not taught them a thing, you know. I mean, I heard that. I'm just like, you know what? We're all different. The, the, the exciting thing is, is you only have to do what God wants you to do. And if you'll do that, you'll be happy, and God will be happy. And other Christians will just get over it. <laughs> Whatever they're supposed to, don't worry about what other Christians think because it's not about them anyway. It's between you and God. We have limitations and we just need to live, learn to live inside of those and do what we can. But also we know what we can do and we need to do it, whatever that is. And we only have so much time to do it. 
So we need to do it before the time's up.